Church at Franklin Worship Services here on Sunday morning. We are located at 4052 Arno Road here in Franklin, Tennessee. We want to welcome all of you who are joining us by the internet, and we want you to know that we are on YouTube, Ustream, and Sermon Audio Video. If you are visiting in the Nashville, Tennessee area, we'd be glad to have you come and join us here. We're just a few minutes south of Nashville, off of I-65 at exit 65, about a mile from the interstate. Come out and be with us. Our services are at 1045, and we have classes at 10 o'clock if you would like to attend some good Bible classes. We want to begin our worship service with some singing and praising to the Lord. Brother Joshua Waltz is going to come and lead us in that. Okay. Can y'all stand up with me? We're going to do standing on the promises. And you can't well sit down for that. I hope y'all have had a great week. 175. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally through love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, let's say Christ, on the promises of Christ my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Verse 4. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. seated. Brother Larry McKnight is going to lead us in the reading of the Word of God 
and a word of prayer, asking the Lord to bless our time together. Brother McNutt. Thank you, Pastor, and good morning, people. I'd like to read from Psalm 19, uh, a nice uh, psalm. I think it's pertinent to every day, some of these promises that are here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, there is no language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom cometh out of his chamber, and rejoicing like a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hidden from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults, and also keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then sh shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Shall we pray together, please? Our Father, we learn in this psalm about your creation, about uh, the day, the sun, the night, the moon, the stars. And in these, it communicates to us that we can know the God that made him. And also, you speak about the word of God, how sweet it is. And that's what we were just saying about. We stand upon these promises. And Lord, in these promises, you tell us what you expect. And you also tell us that we cannot live up to those and we need someone we need a substitute we need a savior we need someone who can do it for us and lord it guards us from sins that we don't know about it guards us and leads us to get rid of the sins that we do have and to get forgiveness for them to bring us into a new life and what we say and what we think lord should be pleasing to you and it can only be through the lord jesus christ this day, Lord, bless this service to, for us to praise you, for us to learn more about you. And we do pray for those among us, Lord, who have conflicts, health, and otherwise who need you. We pray for them, but we know that, Lord, your will 
will be done. And we do pray this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, 223 in your hymnal, everyone, if you'd like to use it. It's an old Wesleyan hymn, Arise, My Soul, Arise. Written sometime in the 1700s. <clears throat> arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Before the throne my surety stands, my name is written on his hands, name is written on his hands. He ever lives above for me to intercede, his all-redeeming love, his precious blood to plead. His blood atoned for all our race and sprinkles now the throne of grace, sprinkles now the throne of grace. Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers, they strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh forgive, they cry, nor let that ransom sinner die, nor that ransom sinner die. The Father hears him pray, his dear anointed one, he cannot turn away the presence of his Son. His spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God and tells me I am born of God. My God is reconciled, His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for His child, I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh, and Father of a Father cry, and Father of a Father cry. Amen. That good? I love that. Okay, 206. You got to flip back a few pages. Wonderful grace of Jesus. <clears throat> We're just going to do it straight just with us this time, but one of these days, Brother Bill and Lynn and I will have to work it up in parts again, and we'll have to all do it with the different parts. You guys having a good week? Y'all are awful quiet. I could hear a pin drop in here this morning. <laughs> some, of the, some days are just like that. 206, when you're ready, Miss Sue. You know, Miss Sue played this earlier. I had to do a printout. She played this from memory earlier. She's amazing over here. Ready? Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free for the one grace of Jesus reaches me. One 
wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus deeper than the mighty rolling sea higher than the mountains sparkling like a fountain all sufficient grace for even me broader than the scope of my transgressions greater far than all my sin and shame oh magnify the precious name of jesus praise his name wonderful grace of jesus reaching to all the lost by it i have been pardoned saved to the uttermost chains have been torn asunder giving me liberty for the wonderful grace of jesus reaches me wonderful the matchless grace of jesus deeper than the mighty rolling sea higher than the mountain sparkling like a fountain all sufficient grace for even me broader than the scope of my transgressions and greater far than all my sin and shame oh magnify the precious name of jesus praise his name wonderful grace of jesus reaching the most by its transforming power making him god's dear child purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity and the wonderful grace of jesus Wonderful, the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Y'all sing now. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, and greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious I'm going to rewind it, though, and I'm going to make every single one of y'all try to hit that high note. Come on. I didn't hear any one of y'all singing that. <laughs> All right. I think announcements, Todd. Good morning. Welcome to the Services of Grace Church at Franklin today, and we want to say a special welcome to any first-time visitors that we have here with us, and ask that if you did not get an opportunity to sign the register located in the foyer, that you would do that as you depart, just so that we might have a record of your attendance here. We want to give praise to the Lord that Ed Adamowicz received a great report last week, evidence of no live cancer in his body. <clears throat> 
They have postponed his remaining chemo treatments for a couple of weeks. Let's be in prayer for Ed as he continues to heal and also for Brenda as she ministers to him. We certainly want to remember uh, Lee Barton and his wife Judy. Our pastor in Lynn visited with Lee yesterday. He is very weak, but yet the Lord continues to sustain him. <laughs> and he is continuing his chemo treatments, and we just pray that the Lord might intercede on a mighty way in his behalf. So let's, let's lift them up before the Lord. <clears throat> we also want to continue to remember Shirley Murphy. I don't see her here today. Okay. Having a little blood sugar trouble today, so let's remember Shirley. Also, Marie Dalton, I don't see her here today. And Sue Martin, of course, let's continue to remember her. Want to continue to remember David Simmons, who has kidney cancer, and also for Shannon Hazelwood's stepfather, Clyde Perrigan, who has some health problems. We want to remember um, um, Paul Osborne and his wife, Diane, uh, Shirley Murphy's sister, Brenda Fay. We certainly want to remember Howie as he continues to serve in our military. And uh, Larry Smith asked prayer for their neighborhood. They seem to be having some disturbances that are happening quite frequently in the neighborhood and just ask that the Lord might intercede there. Um, we also want to remind you of several events that we have coming up. The annual chili cook-off is planned for Sunday, November the 5th at Bill and Lynn's uh, Duck River House. That's at 4 p.m. That's located on Riverview Road in Lewisburg, Tennessee, behind Henry Horton State Park. As a result, we will not have the fellowship dinner in November. Also, the ladies' fellowship soup and salad luncheon will be held here at Grace Church on November 14th from 11 to 1.30. That's hosted by Lynn and Sarah Sasser. And there's a sign-up sheet, I believe, on the round table in the foyer if you'd like to attend. The men's fellowship will also be held the same day and same time, but it will be at the home of Dave and Leslie Roberts at 525 Beeman Drive in Franklin. <clears throat> As always, if you desire to eat, man, fend for yourself. <laughs> Where the ladies bring food, you'll have to make do for yourself. <clears throat> we also are planning a fellowship, no fellowship dinner in December, but instead we have planned a Christmas celebration or covered fellowship meal. That'll be Saturday, December 16th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. here at the church. And we certainly encourage you to join us for that. <clears throat> the monthly fellowship dinners will resume again in January. We also want to invite you to our Tuesday evening Bible study here at the church at 645. Pastor's been bringing some wonderful studies, so we encourage you to join us for that. Also, some of you may not be aware that we do have a, uh, an email list that we distribute prayer announcements and occasional announcements regarding the church. If you'd like to be a part of that announcement group, just provide me your email at your convenience, and I'll be sure that you're added to that list. <clears throat> Finally, if you want to support the ministry here at Grace Church, there is an offering box on the round table in the foyer that you can put your gifts there. And of course, we do want you to pray that the Lord might give wisdom to the leadership of the church in the use of those funds for the furtherance of the gospel. Thank you for your attention. Uh, I have a few things to say before we carry on. I'm going to go up here to this mic. I'm always being reprimanded for being like this up here, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's just me. I'll try to be still today. Okay, about the cook-off, the chili cook-off, uh, I hate to say this this morning because I've always had number one chili cook-off. Me. You had it one year, and then Miss Ashley that drifted in our congregation out of the clear blue sky, she came in and she told my little grandson, she said, I'm going to whip your grandmother this year. And I said, and, and Leo 
buffed up, you know. He said, what <laughs> did you say? Well, you know what, she, she beat me last year. Nelson did one year, I think Billy Wall, I don't know. I'm just, it's, just, it's a big joke, because I'm always saying I'm the champion. All right, but anyway, if you'd like to come out, you're welcome to come out. Everybody that's here is welcome to come. Bring, uh, if you want to enter a chill, uh, uh, contest of chili, or if you just want to eat, it's okay. It's, it's mostly outside. I hope it's not too cold. If it is, we'll move inside, okay? Or try to do build a bonfire, Todd. Todd will build a bonfire for us. But anyway, you're welcome to come, and uh, I'd love to have you there and see who wins, okay? <clears throat> I am entering this year. I didn't enter last year. That's why Ashley won. You know, like, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, we have a great God, a great God, and and I and I I'm so glad to have Buddy and Madey with us this morning. They're our friends. They we've known them for quite a while, and they uh, came out to worship. So y'all be nice, okay? All right. Now, because uh, they have a lot of authority in Franklin. A lot of authority. She used to be head of all the people that came in Franklin, and she quit. <laughs> quit on us. But anyway, we're glad to have you and any other visitors we have. But uh, we're going to sing a song today. Well, I was going to say, a lot is going on today in the world. I'm sure all of you are aware of all of the uh, wars and rumors of wars, which the Lord said... Would begin would be the beginning of sorrows, not the end. We've got uh, Russia and Ukraine, and now you have a lot going on in Israel. So we know that uh, this world is not made to last forever as it is. We're thankful for that. And our hope is, regardless of what the future holds, our hope is Christ. And... Uh, the more we see things happening, the more our hearts say, well, the coming of Christ may be near. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, so I don't make predictions about these things. Besides, the scripture tells us that we should always be ready for in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And that might mean coming for the world, it might mean coming for me or you individually at death. So we're going to sing a little song this morning, and if you know some of the lyrics, you can sing along with us. We're looking forward to the time uh, when we see our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Tears to dim the eye All is peace, joy, and love In that happy home above What a day, glorious day That will be What a day that will be When my Jesus 
Jesus I shall see And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace Will you take me by the hand And lead me through the promised land Oh, what a day, glorious day that will be There'll be no sorrow there No more burdens to bear No more sickness, no more pain No more parting over there Forever I will be with the one who died for me. Oh, what a day, glorious day that will be. Sing with us, what a day that will be. What a day when my Jesus I shall see. When my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face. His the face, one who saved me by his grace. Me by his and then he'll take me by and the hand. He takes me by the hand. And lead me through the promised land. What a day that will be. Oh, what a day. Glorious day that will be. Oh, what a day. Christ, we want to thank you for this day that you have made. It is another day of mercy, another day that you've allowed us to live in this world. I pray, Father, for all of those who are yet strangers to the Lord Jesus Christ, who do not know him, who have never trusted him. I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. 
And Father, we pray for those saints of God who are with us today, that they may be strengthened, they may be edified, they may be, Lord, made strong in the inner man, that they will live in this world, in this ungodly and wicked world, they will live for thee. And Father, we are sinners and we confess that we need a Savior. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will bless your word, anoint your word with your spirit, the power of your spirit, that the truth, the word of God, the gospel might go forth in power and in the Holy Spirit. And that those who are not your children may be justified, and that those who are your children may be edified. And that in all things our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified. And we ask it in his name. We ask it for his sake. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, and if you'll stand together with me for the reading of God's Word, and then we're going to sing one more little song to invite the Lord to come and bless us and anoint us that we can understand what we're studying today. Genesis 45, we're glad to have all of you who are visiting with us today, and uh, whether you're here in person or whether you're on the internet, delighted to have you. We're in a series of studies on the story of Joseph. And by my count, today is study number 79. I'm going to see if I can do 101. Would that be all right? 79. Genesis chapter 45. And here's where we're going to read. Joseph is talking to his brothers. Verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you that sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord. And let's ask the Lord to bless us this day. Ready? Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No I be seated. You may be seated. Joseph is now 39 years old. 
He's been governor of Egypt now for nine years. It has been 25 years since he was sold by his brothers. And as this chapter opens, as we saw in our last study, Joseph is completely overcome with emotion because of the prayerful plea of his brother Reuben on behalf of his old father Jacob. And Joseph here reveals himself to his brothers. Let's read verse 1, Genesis 45. And by the way, we have pew Bibles there. There are, there are Bibles in every pew. Get you a pew Bible, and you can find the first book. That shouldn't be a problem, and read along with us. We're going to be using the Scripture. Verse 1, Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Now notice what he does. He first puts his servants out of the room. He puts everybody out but his brothers. This is family only here. Then it says he wept aloud. Then it says in verse 3, he revealed himself to them. You see, they haven't known that this is the brother they sold 25 years ago, and God made him governor of Egypt. And then he inquired about his father. Verse 3, he said, uh, is the, I'm Joseph, verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brothers couldn't answer him. They were troubled at his presence. He is, of course, Joseph is, of course, a beautiful picture, as I've pointed out several times, of our Savior. Joseph's brothers sold him. And we have sold the Lord hundreds of times. We've sold him off for the world. We've sold him off for ourselves. We've sold him off for what we want to do instead of living with him and for him. Joseph's brothers were terrified of him. Verse 3, you see that? They were terrified. They were so shocked they couldn't even speak. Their tongues were tied. And you know what? People in this world are terrified of the Lord. And that's why they don't want to hear about him. They don't want to hear about the Lord because they don't know Him, and they're afraid of Him. You know why? When, when those brothers saw Joseph, they realized this was their brother. The same thing happens when we begin to see the Lord. You know what happens? When they saw Joseph, they saw their sin. They saw their sin. They saw what they had done to him. They'd sold him off as a slave when he was 17 years old. Number two, when they saw him, they felt their guilt. They'd already admitted earlier, we are guilty of selling our brother. Number three, their lies were exposed. You see, they'd gone home and told their dad that Joseph had been eaten up by a wild animal. And for 25 years, they've been lying to their father. They've been living a lie. Many people in this world just living a lie. 
We're living a lie. And you know, Jesus says, I am the truth. And he'll tell you the truth about yourself. He'll tell you the truth about God. He'll tell you the truth about the way of salvation. Their lies were exposed because this fellow that's been talking to them as the governor through an interpreter, he's been talking to them in the Egyptian language, they now see as their own brother. And they are absolutely terrified because the governor that they've been dealing with now says, I'm Joseph, your brother. They realize what they've done to him. So what do you think their next thought is? The next thought is, we are dead. <laughs> we're dead. We're going to be executed. We're going to be executed. We're going to be put in prison. Uh, this is what we think when we start learning about the Lord. We think the Lord's going to execute us. The Lord's going to throw us into his prison house when he begins to reveal himself. We think the worst. We think, why should he save us? Why should he have mercy on us? That's what those brothers thought. A lot of us are like old Ralph Barnard, old, old evangelist years ago. And he used to say all the time, you better be glad I'm not God. <laughs> he said, if I were God, I'd put you in hell a long time ago. The Lord is so merciful. He's so gracious. He's so long-suffering. Why should he have mercy? But listen now, here's, here's the thing. Joseph was not sent to Egypt to kill his family. Joseph was sent to Egypt, listen to this now, to save the brothers who hated him. You remember why they sold him? They were jealous of him. They were envious of him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They wanted to kill him. And one of the brothers said, let's don't kill him. Let's put him in this pit. We'll decide what to do. They put him in a pit. Some people came by called Ishmaelites. We're headed for Egypt. We'll sell him. Never thought they'd see him again 25 years ago. They have been coming before him, as we have learned in these studies, but they didn't know it was their brother Joseph. They thought it was the governor. And you know, a lot of times in your life, the Lord's been dealing with you, and you didn't know it was the Lord. You thought it was this, that, and the other, but it was the Lord dealing with you. Joseph, listen, was sent to Egypt, as we're going to learn here in just a moment, to save the brothers who hated him, and Jesus Christ was sent into this world to save his enemies. You don't believe that? Read Romans 5 and verse 10. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ. Christ didn't die for his friends. He died for his enemies. He died for his friends. He said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. But we don't come into the world wanting to do what he wants us to do. What amazing grace here. So Joseph reveals himself to them. And how does he reveal himself to them? Look again. He says in verse 3, I am Joseph. Then again, in verse 4, at the middle of the verse, he said to his brothers, come near, I'm Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. I am Joseph, your brother. I'm your brother. Notice the personal language. He revealed himself as the reconciler. He told them, come near to me. 
come near. Don't run away, come near. And notice now, he didn't walk over to them. He told them to come to him. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, that we are to come to God. We are to be reconciled to God. God doesn't come, uh, he doesn't move. He hadn't changed from eternity. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're the ones that moved. And we got to come back. We've got to be reconciled to God. Then what does he do? This is amazing. This is really the burden of our study today. He's going to give them an understanding of what's been happening for the last 25 years. Verse, verse 5. Verse 5. Now he says, don't be grieved and don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me. For God did send me before you to preserve life. He said, God sent me. It is God who sent the prophets. It is God who sent his son. It is God who sent the apostles. It is God who sends his teachers and his preachers. Behind it all is the Lord God. If you're saved, God is behind it. Joseph knew nothing. Now, listen to me now. Jo Joseph didn't know anything about being lucky. He didn't say, I've been lucky. He said, God did it. What about the famine? He says, verse 6, he says, the famine's been here for two years. Well, fa what happened there, Joseph? Uh, uh, how did famine come? Well, uh, Mother Nature. Now, he didn't know anything about Mother Nature. He said, God sent the famine. You believe that? God sent the famine. God sent the seven years of blessing, and God sent the seven years of famine. Joseph didn't know anything about being fortunate or unfortunate, lucky or unlucky. He didn't know anything about Mother Nature. He said God did it. When the sun was shining, he said God did it. When it was raining, he said God did it. When the wind blew, he said God did it. And when the earth quaked, he said God did it. He summed up 25 years of history, including, listen now, the 25 years of history, including the sinful acts of his brothers selling him in one sentence. He said, God sent me. Isn't that what he says right here? Verse uh, Verse 5 is one verse. I'm looking for another verse too. Verse 5, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves that you sold me. For God did send me before you to preserve life for these two years. Verse 6, has the famine been in the land and yet there are five more years in this seven-year famine in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. Nothing's going to grow and nothing's going to be harvested for another five years. Well, Joseph, how did this famine get here? He said God sent it. Why did he send it, Joseph? It's according to his purpose. It's all in his plan. There are five more years in which there'll be no plowing, there'll be no harvesting. Why? 
Why, Joseph? Well, God will do it. It's according to his purpose. You mean God permitted the famine? He not only permitted it, he brought it. He sent it. He made it happen. Listen, quit saying, I've been lucky. And start saying, God did it. Oh, I know people think you're crazy. Well, they, they, they come up with these philosophical arguments. When I, you know, I don't think God has anything to do with wickedness and evil. But I'm going to show you in just a moment how the Lord uses wickedness and evil. Let me ask you this. Was it a wicked thing for men to take Jesus and put nails in his hands and in his feet? Turn over to your Bible. Now, keep, keep, your, keep a, a marker here in Genesis 45 because we're coming back to it. But let's go to the book of Acts now. This is always the one that comes to my mind when I, when I think about this particular uh, truth, this particular point. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, it's very clear right here. Acts chapter 4, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. The apostles had been threatened and beaten for preaching in the name of Jesus. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, when they were let go, verse 23, they went back to their own company. They reported everything that the chief priests and the elders said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God, verse 24, and they began to pray. And they said, Lord, you're God. You're not trying to be God. You're God. And the heavens didn't evolve and the earth didn't evolve. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. And way back by the mouth of your servant David, verse 25, you want to know where? Probably in your Bibles, right by verse 25, you're going to have a little notation that's going to say Psalm 2. Because he's going to quote Psalm 2. You said in Psalm 2, by the mouth of your servant David, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And he said, sure enough, verse 26, the kings of the earth stood up, the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against this Christ. Verse 27, it's so true that against your holy child Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, that's the Romans, and the people of Israel were gathered together. What were they gathered together to do? Verse 28, to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You know who put Jesus on the cross? God put him on the cross, but he used men to do it. He used the wickedness and the hatred and the ungodliness of men to put his son on the cross, but he sent him into the world to be put on the cross. And he uses those men to put him on the cross, and he'll turn around and punish those men who put him on the cross. Well, you said, that's not fair. Well, you take it up with him when you see him. You take it up with him when you see him. This is the same explanation, if we go back to Genesis 45, that Joseph uses. He says, everything, including you guys selling me, he said, God did it. He permitted you to do it because he had a plan. He's going to carry out that plan. He's going to bring it to pass. He is the one who brought the seven years of blessing. He's the one that gave me a plan how to, how, to, how to plan for the seven years of famine. He gave the seven years of famine. Listen to me. When the Lord, 
I, I think most of all, us have all heard of Job. Job had seven sons and three daughters. Now listen to this. I'm reading to you now from the book of Job. I can't remember. This might be on the screen. It might not be. But this is what it says. There came a messenger to Job one day. And they said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. They have also slain your servants with the edge of the sword. Listen to this now. And your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. You know what they were doing? They were having a party. What were they doing last week in Israel? They were having a party. They were having a party when Hamas came in and killed over 200 of them. Is that right? They were, part, they were having a party, man. They were drinking wine. They were having a big time. And all of a sudden, judgment came. And this is what it says about Job. He says, this messenger says, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind. I looked at that word wind. You know what it is? It's tornado. You mean God has something to do with tornado? All these hurricanes that are coming in now? The Lord is talking to us, and we, we ain't listening. <laughs> We're not listening. He, there came a great wind from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, all seven sons of yours, Job, and upon the young women, all three of them, and killed all of them. Killed your seven sons and your three daughters. Now, you're listening to me? What did Job do? Job chapter 1, verse 20. Job chapter 1, verse 20. There it is on the board for you right here. Job arose, rent, that's an old word for tore, tore his mantle, shaved his head, fell down on the ground, and worshipped. You know why? He knew God did it. You say, but, but, but Brother Sasser, when I read the book of Job, I think I read in there that it was the devil that brought this. You do? You read that correctly. But if you read the chapter before, you'll find that the devil went to the Lord and got permission. The Lord gave him permission. He said, you can't touch Job, but you can touch anything he has. And the next thing you know, one messenger after another comes in and says, your, your cattle are gone, your oxen are gone, your sheep are gone. And your children are gone. And it says right here, Job rent. He tore his mantle. That is, he tore his clothes. That was a sign of grief. He shaved his head. He fell upon the ground and he worshiped. Now, what did he say? Why, God, did you do that? Is that what he said? Look at the next verse, verse 21. That'll be on the screen for you too. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what he said? He said, God did it. Yeah, but, 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 but the devil's what? Yeah, but the, but, but the Lord gave the devil permission. Listen, the devil is not God. The devil is on a chain, and it's God's chain. And he can't go but so far. 
<laughs> Martin Luther, who lived hundreds of years ago, said the devil is God's devil. That's what he said. And he's going to use the devil, and he used these, these brothers of Joseph who hated him, who were jealous of him, envious of him. He used them to get Joseph down into Egypt in order that Joseph might save them, those who hated him. <laughs> and he sent Jesus into the world to save people who hate him. Job one of the greatest saints of all time. Job would be run out of town today. Because you couldn't get Job to say anything about storms and hurricanes and earthquakes except one thing. He'd say God did it. They'd put him in jail. Job agrees with Joseph. God did it. Joseph's explanation to his brothers, the way he caused them to understand, was very brief. He said, let me explain to you, fellas, in one little sentence, what's been going on for the last 25 years, he said, God did it. Now turn back to Genesis 45. Joseph, could you tell us why God did it? Could you tell us why he did it? Well, the first thing he says is, verse 5, he said he did it to preserve life. Last sentence of verse 5. He did send me before you to preserve life life. Then the second thing he says is in verse 7, he says, he sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And here's what that means. He sent me to make sure you and your descendants survive. I'll tell you why in just a minute. He's going to make sure that you and your descendants will survive he said, he sent me to save you, verse 6 and verse 7. There's not going to be anything in this, in this uh, part of the world. There's going to be a famine, verse 6. And verse 7, he sent me here ahead of you to make sure that you survive. This famine is coming. God, what, this is very important. Verse 5, he says, God did send me before you. That means ahead of you. It means before you got to the famine and before the famine got to you, I was already there. I was in Egypt before the famine got to you. <laughs> before... You got to the famine. Before the famine got to you, I was already there because the Lord sent me. All right, would you, would you like to turn to another passage? I can quote these, but I want you to see them. Psalm, right in the middle of your Bible. Brother Larry wrote, read from Psalm 19 today. Psalm 105. I'd like for you to see this. It's right in the middle of your Bible. If you just kind of get in the middle of your Bible and open it up, you'll be close to the Psalms. Psalm 105. This is very important. God sent me before you. He sent me ahead of you. He sent me before the famine got to you. When the famine got here, I was already there with a plan that God gave me. Psalm 105, 
And verse 16, this is on the board for you too, if you want to look up to the board. You can find it in your Bible, but here it is. Moreover, verse 16, he called for a famine. Now, wait a minute. Who called for a famine? God called for a famine. God did it. That's the theme of this, of this study. God did it. He called for a famine, he says. Upon the land, he broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man, verse 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. See that? He sent a man. God sent the famine, and he sent a man, <laughs> Joseph, who was sold for a servant. All right, look at the next verse now, verse 18. Whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. Joseph was in prison. Remember we studied all of that? How long was he in prison? Verse 19. Until the time that his word came. Now, that's Joseph's words. See, Joseph had said when he was 17 years old, I'm going to be exalted and all you fellows are going to bow down to me. And they said, no, we're never going to bow down to you. But until the time came for Joseph's dreams, Joseph's word to be fulfilled, the rest of verse 19 says, the word of the Lord tried him. Do you know the Lord tries his people? We read that he tried Israel when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. He thinned out the ranks. He found out who really loved him and who really believed him and who didn't. There's nothing that will run people off like trial. You see, because we've been told in this generation that in a child of God's life, nothing is supposed to go wrong. Oh, no, no, if, if, if anything happens in my life, I mean, I mean, the Lord doesn't have anything to do with it if it's bad. Yes, he does. He may be using bad people. He may be using a bad devil. He may be using, in Joseph's case, bad brothers. But you know what? You and I are not supposed to pay any attention to that. You know what we're supposed to be doing? Trusting him. That's all, just trusting him. Not figuring out what he's doing or why he's doing it. We all can say, why, 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 why this, why that, why the other? That's what we all do. Quit saying why and just say, Lord, give me grace to trust you when I don't understand what you're doing. Anybody can trust God when you know what he's doing. Are you going to be able to whistle Dixie if you've got money in the bank? Sure. Sun's shining, but when there comes a storm and your, your life is upset and everything seems like it's going backwards, and you know we've learned that that's what Joseph did the whole time when his own brothers, his own brothers sold him. Then he got to Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife lied about him and said he tried to have an affair with her when it was she who tried to have an affair with him. He was put in prison. What did he do all this time? Say, Lord, no, he just kept trusting the Lord. I bet his favorite song was that little song we sing every once in a while. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord and he gives a song. When the storm clouds darken the sky, 
Oh, the heavenly trail. I just keep trusting my Lord. He will never fail. He's a faithful friend. He's a faithful friend. Such a faithful friend. Such a faithful friend. I can count on him. I can count on him. To the very end. When the storm clouds darken the sky. Oh, the heavenly trail. That's when I start murmuring, Lord. Yeah, I never fail. <laughs> no, that's when we trust him. Because he never fails. And that's important. That's very, very important. All right. Then he says, verse 20, verse 20 of Psalm 105, the king, that's the Pharaoh, he sent and loosed him, loosed Joseph, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. Verse 21, he made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance. He gave him the power, verse 22, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Now, all of that is about Joseph. And it says God was in every bit of it. He, he did it. I have to hurry. God sent Joseph, let's go back to Genesis 45. God sent Joseph ahead of the famine to prepare Egypt for the famine and to provide for his own family who had to come into Egypt because they ran out of food. The aim and the purpose of God was not so much, listen to me now, this is really important, the aim and the purpose of God was not so much to save Egypt as to save Jacob's family. Well, if you want to, if you don't, I think it's going to be on the board. I'm going to read in just a minute from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 9. Yet Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible, the book of that Moses wrote. I'm going to read from that in just a minute. Now, this is extremely important. This is kind of applicable for what's going on today in Israel. Here's what Ezekiel, Ezekiel said to Israel, and I think this is on the board, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 32. God said through Ezekiel, what I'm going to do, Israel, I do not do this for your sake, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. He said, what I'm going to do is not because you're good. No, no, it's because I'm good. It's not because you're good. And here's what Moses told Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 4. There it is on the board for you. Don't speak in your heart after the Lord has cast out the nations. This is when they were going to go in and get the promised land, which they're now over there today. Having been back over there now for 75 years, I've been gone for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Now they're back over there, 75 years. Don't speak in your heart, God said. 
after the Lord has cast out these enemies from before your eyes, saying, For my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. No, God said, It's for the wickedness of these nations that the Lord does drive them out before you. He's not bringing you in because you're righteous. He's kicking them out because they're unrighteous and ungodly. All right, now verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 9. Not for thy righteousness. There it is on the board for you. Not for thy righteousness or for thy uprightness of thine heart do you go in to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord does drive them out from before thee that he may, watch it now, that he may perform the word when she swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, now listen to me just a moment. God brought this famine, sent Joseph into Egypt, and brought this seven years of blessing, seven years of famine. He did all of that for two reasons. Number one, because of the promises that he had made the promises he had made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And number two, as we just read in Genesis 45, to preserve the house of Jacob. Why? Because out of the house of Jacob, the Messiah, the Christ, is going to come. The reason Israel was preserved down through the centuries was because out of Israel, God had promised Abraham that he would send a Savior. And he said, Abraham, you'll have more children than the stars of heaven and the sand by the seashore. Now, how can that be? How can that be? It's for Abraham's sake that Israel was spared. If you look at Genesis 45 again in verse 5, verse 5, don't be grieved with yourselves or angry that you sold me here, for God did send me here to preserve life. Verse 7, to preserve you a posterity and to save your lives by great deliverance. The Lord did it to save lives. He did it to preserve you, to guarantee that your descendants would survive. But why? He did it for two reasons, two promises he made, a twofold promise. Number one, the promise he made to Abraham was that he would have children as numerous as the stars of heaven and the sand upon the seashore. And if Joseph had taken his brothers and executed them or put them in prison, or if God hadn't sent Joseph down there to prepare for the famine, the line of Abraham would have been wiped out, and God could not have kept those promises that he made to Abraham. So he preserved them to keep those promises, okay? Secondly, the promise that the Messiah would come into the world through Israel. Now I want you to just listen to me on this. I'll tell you where it is. You can go back and read it for yourselves later. It's in Exodus chapter 32. Moses was in the mount with God for 40 days receiving the law. And the people grew impatient. And they got to Moses' brother, Aaron, and they got him to build a golden calf. 
And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, that have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> and the Lord alerted Moses, and he said, Moses, the people you brought out of Egypt, they're down there having a party, and it ain't about a praise service. And the Lord said, I'm going to destroy them. The Lord told Moses, I'm going to destroy every single one of them. They're a rebellious house. They won't listen. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses, I'm going to start over with you and build another nation with you. This is all in Exodus chapter 32. What did Moses do? He interceded. He used two arguments with the Lord. Number one, he said, Lord, if you don't preserve your people, look at what the Egyptians are going to say. They're going to say their God led them out. and He wasn't powerful enough to take care of them and lead them into the promised land. And you know what the second argument was that Moses used? He said, what about what you promised Abraham? What about what you promised Abraham? If you wipe these people out, your promise to Abraham can't be fulfilled. The promise you made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That's in Exodus 32 and verse 13. Now how does the New Testament begin? What's the first book in the New Testament? Matthew. How does Matthew begin? Listen. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's the descendant of Abraham. In other words, the New Testament is the fulfillment of the promises that God made to Abraham. And so the reason God preserved Israel is because he promised the Messiah would come out, but here's the second reason, and this concerns all of you. He said, Abraham, you're going to have innumerable descendants. You're going to have as many descendants as the sand by the seashore and the stars in heaven. Well, now, my friends, I don't care how you number Israel, there hadn't been that many people born in Israel. But when you add to that the children of God through faith in Christ who are said to be children of Abraham, you've got a number which no man can number. I don't know if these fellows can do this, but if you can get Galatians chapter 3 and put that on the board for us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to show you this on the board. You understand what I'm saying now? There were two promises. One, the Messiah has got to come out of Israel. What tribe did the Messiah come out of? The tribe of Judah. Okay, who was it that pled with Joseph, it was Judah. It was the son Joseph that broke Joseph's heart. And we started weeping, and he said, get, every, get everybody out of here. And then he was crying, and he said, I'm your brother. It was, it, was, it was that brother, Judah, who is a picture of Christ, pleading with the Father. Don't let those sinners die, Father. I died for them. I interceded for them. He's in heaven making intercession for all those who come unto God by him. That's what the scripture tells us. 
So the Messiah has to come, but the second thing is he has to have innumerable company. Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to read it for you. There it is, they have it on the board. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. You see that? Now look verse verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the what? On the Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham is the Messiah, and all of those who believe in the Messiah are counted as children of Abraham. And when you add all the people down through the ages, the millions and millions of souls who have believed on Jesus as Messiah, you have an innumerable company. You have the fulfillment of the very promise God made to Abraham that you're going to have more children than you can count. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendant, and your heirs, your inheritors, according to the promise. You inherit everything God promised Abraham in the seed of Abraham, who is Christ. Also, if you read that Galatians chapter 3, you'll find that Paul says the seed of Abraham is Christ. All right, what was it that Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis 45, 7? He said, one reason the Lord sent me here was to make sure your descendants survive. And I say again, if you are a child of God through faith, in Abraham's son, Jesus Christ, he's called that, Matthew 1.1. You are one of the reasons God sent Joseph to Egypt. You're one of the reasons God sent Joseph to Egypt. To spare a prosperity, a, 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 to leave a descendant, <laughs> out of which the Messiah would come and through which the promises of an innumerable company would be fulfilled. My friends, listen to me. This is the answer to every critical event in history. Your friends are not going to understand. But if they come to you and say, well, I don't understand why this, you just say, here's all, all you need to know. God did it. So yeah, That's all you need to know. Any child can ask a, a, a question that a room full of scholars can't answer. Well, whatever your question is, the answer is God did it. That's the, that's the answer. If you're a child of God, through Jesus Christ, you're one of the reasons God sent Joseph to Egypt. This is the answer to every critical event in history. He did it to save people. He, he did it to preserve a prosperity. Prosperity. He did it to keep his promises to Abraham, and he, get, he did it for the glory of his name. And just as he sent Joseph to Egypt, I hope you got your pure seat belts on there. Got your seat belts on? I want you to fall out. Just as he sent Joseph to Egypt before the famine, 
He provided a Savior before there was a sinner. Before the famine of sin came into this earth, God had already, before the foundation of the world, provided a Joseph to handle the famine. And you can read this in your own Bibles in Revelation 5, verse 6, verse 12, and verse 8, where Jesus is called a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before there was a famine in Egypt, there was a Joseph there. And before there was a famine in this world, there was a heavenly Joseph already provided. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He that believes not is condemned, because he does not believe in the only begotten Son of God. Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Has Jesus made himself known to you? Joseph told his brothers what was going on. He did it in a little short phrase. He said, God did it. He said, God did it. Who created the world? God did it. Who destroyed the world with a flood? God did it. Who's going to bless people in heaven forever, throughout eternity? God will do it. Who's going to put people in hell who reject his son? God will do it. God will do it. Who sent the seven years of blessing on, on Egypt? God did it. Who sent the seven years of famine? God did it. Who sent Joseph Ahead of time into Egypt, God did. Who sent a Savior into the world before the foundation of the world or purposed for a Savior to be sent into the world before the foundation of the world, God did. He was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. My friends, when you get where you're going, the Lord will already be there. You'll be just like that woman at the well in John chapter 4. When she came out to the well to get some water, Jesus was there waiting on her. He told his disciples, you guys go on in and get some food. I've got to go through Samaria. Why? Because when he got to that well, he knew that woman was coming out there. And she came out and he started talking to her about the water of life. And she came to see she said, I know that Messiah is going to come. And Jesus looked at her and he said, He that speaketh unto thee is he. I'm the Messiah. I was here waiting on you because I knew you were coming. My friends, don't worry about what you don't know. Worry about what you do know. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things that are revealed. We have 66 books here of Revelation belong to us and to our children. Don't worry about what you don't know, because God is God. He doesn't share all of his secrets. Unlike the federal government of America, 
You can find out exactly what we're going to do if you just watch ABC, CBS, CNN, and Fox. You'd see what we're going to do. But the Lord doesn't reveal all of his plan. But he does tell us this. He says, if you'll trust my son, I'll save you. You'll trust my son, I'll save you. May the Lord add his blessings on the teaching of his word. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. You want to sing that, Sue? What a mighty God we serve? Let's just sing that then. I don't think we've ever done that at the end of a service, have we? <laughs> it's always the first time for everything. I want you to think about what we've studied today because there's a whole lot in here that I didn't say. But I did say this. I said, God did it. <laughs> and whatever it is, He does it. And His will, His purpose was to save people. He's going to save people. We've got the gospel. We've got the gospel. This place ought to be packed. We ought to have to build a balcony up here. But people aren't interested in learning the Word anymore. They just want to be entertained. And I'm not going to entertain people on the way to eternity. I'm going to try to teach. Bring somebody with you next week. Come back and bring somebody with you. Invite somebody this week. Let's sing what about the others there. Everybody sing. Ready? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve.
upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your son ahead of the famine that came upon this earth and we're still living in it. Lord, we ask you to help us to trust you. We don't know what the headlines may be saying tomorrow, but we know who's behind it all. We know you're going to save your people. We know you're going to save those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be among that number. That number which no man can number of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. We can say glory be to God for the Lamb of God who came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Bless us as we part. In Jesus' name I pray for his sake. Amen. And you're dismissed. Thank you. <laughs>